in Mark chapter 15 as we are making our way to the cross. And of course we know that the story doesn't stop there. But in Mark chapter 15 we see as we uh, are embarking upon this uh, story that uh, we are uh, uh, come to a, a point and uh, a place here that uh, Jesus has uh, been arrested. He's already had a, uh, uh, a trial. It was an illegal trial, but uh, all, the, all the pieces of the, uh, of the story are now coming into uh, view, coming into focus, if you will. And we're come and we see in chapter 15, and I'm entitled this morning's message, very simple title, Rejection. Rejection. We're going to see how our Lord was rejected. Now, I don't know about you, but I've experienced rejection in my life. I remember when I was a junior in high school, just a couple years ago, and uh, I was going to the prom. Well, I was not really excited about it because there was, I was going to have to spend some money, and, uh, but uh, I had this uh, little gal and I, I, I was going to ask her to go to the prom with me. And so I uh, got my courage up. I saw her in the hallways a couple of three times. And finally, I said, i, I got to ask her. I mean, it's just a, a little ways uh, uh, from the prom. And so I go up there and I, I asked her and, and she agreed to it. And so I was quite pleased with that. And so I went and I got my uh, tux. Uh, I want you to know it was one of those blue ones. It had the, it had the kind of, a, of wool-like uh, lapels. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, it, it was a light blue. And the reason I got a blue tux is because it was going to match her dress. And I went and I got the flowers and I, you know, and I, I did all that and I got uh, permission to uh, drive my dad's car and I cleaned it up and, and I had it all and I went and I, I picked her up and, you know, and I was thinking, well, this is okay. And uh, we had, I thought, I thought, I thought we had a pretty good time, but uh, then uh, I dropped her off at the house and I never did speak to her after that. She wouldn't even look at me in the hallway anymore. And I thought, what is up with this? I've done spent this money. I got a tux. I did all this kind of stuff. And uh, she didn't want to have anything else to do with me. I'm getting ticked off. I'm getting mad. I said, I said, I ought to go and demand some money back from her. I mean, I, spent, I took her to dinner. I did all, I fly, the flowers in themselves was enough. I mean, I, and I said, and she has rejected me. And it hurt. Many of you have experienced rejection. But we've never have ever received rejection like our Lord had. He was rejected. And the reason why he was rejected is because he told them who he was. That's the reason why. He told them who he was. And they rejected him. So this morning, by God's grace, we're going to look at rejection. Chapter number 15, look at verse number 1. It says, And straightway in the morning, the chief priest 
held a, a consolation or a meeting. They got together with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and they carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. Now, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15, but we're just reading verse number 1, but we're going to come back. But uh, this sets the stage. As I've already made mention, uh, here uh, in chapter 15, it says that the scribes, the, the religious bunch, got together in the morning. Now, the reason why they got together that morning is because they had an illegal trial the night before. If you go back to chapter 14 of Mark, you'll see that they got together and they had false witnesses. They drummed up all these false charges. And so now they realized, hey, we need to make this look legit. Isn't it interesting that those type of meetings still go on today? Now, a lot of them are going on in Washington. But I'm, I'm bearer of the bad news to you this morning. There's a lot of those type of meetings that goes on in the church house. People that have a beef with something or uh, don't like the way things are going, and so they get together and they'll say, hey, we got to come up with something. Let's make sure our stories match up. Let's get together. And then they get their stories down, they go and make it look legit and make it look like it's something that was really true. That's exactly what happened here. And so as we go into the remainder of the chapter, we see that uh, they're the religiously. Isn't it interesting? It's the religious leaders that have a beef with Jesus. It's the religious crowd that didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say. See, that helps us to understand this morning that religion does not have room for Jesus. Religion does not have room with Jesus. It's the religious crowd that doesn't want to go and say he is king of kings. It's the religious crowd that comes up and has all of these things that are contrary to the word of God and they go ahead and have these rituals and they give you other options of how you can have eternal life. They say now if you go through the sacraments, if you go through these rituals, if you jump through these hopes, uh, if you go ahead and place your trust in the church, then you can have salvation. My dear friend, that is contrary to what the Lord Jesus Christ said. Jesus says there's only one way to get to the Father, and that's by me. And so religion does not have room with Jesus. What's wrong with us today is not the lack of religion. It's because we have too much religion. And what we're here today is to tell you we're not religious folks around here. We're people that have a relationship with a living God. His name is Jesus Christ and He has a relationship with us. And because of that relationship, that's one glorious day when our time here is over, our time there will only begin. And the only way we're going to be able to be there is because we came by the way of the cross. We came by the way of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you say you've got religion, you probably need to get saved today because we're talking about a relationship. We're not talking about something that man has come up with. That's exactly what religion's about. Religion is how can we get to God when God says, I want it to get to you. And so, first of all, we see rejection. 
Who's the first ones that rejected him? Of course, we've already made reference to, it was the religious crowd. We see in, uh, that uh, many people say, where's the Jews? It's the Jews or it's the Romans that nailed Jesus. Physically speaking, that's the... But we're the ones that are guilty. Romans 8, 7 says we're an enemy of God. Uh, I came across a story. It was a, an African chief. He was uh, back in the, uh, the, the bush there in Africa. He came to visit a, a missionary. And he went to the missionary's home. And, uh, of course, he had his, oh, his face was all painted up. And, you know, he had that, uh, uh, you know, really threatening, uh, angry kind of a face. And so he comes to the, uh, the front of the house. And there was a tree that had a mirror in it. The missionary uh, placed a mirror in that tree. Well, uh, this African chief had never seen a mirror, didn't know what it was about. But uh, when he got closer to the tree, he saw his reflection in that mirror. It scared him. He'd never seen something like this. So he goes to the missionary and he says, Who's that that's in the tree? And so the missionary says, Well, it, it's a mirror. He says, oh, No, he says, He has an angry face. I don't like that face. And the missionary says, well, it's a mirror. Well, he couldn't, uh, you know, through the, the language differences, explain what the mirror was. And so he, he goes and he uh, takes the mirror out of the tree. And hopefully that was going to satisfy the, the, the chief there. And so the chief says, how much, how much do you want to sell that for? Missionary said, it's not for sale. I don't know, why would you want to buy that? And he says, no, I want to buy it. I, well, I don't want to buy it. And so uh, the missionary said, okay, whatever. And he said, he named a price. Uh, he agreed to that price. He took that mirror and he smashed it on the ground. And he says, now I will no longer have to see that face. That's exactly what the Jews and the religious crowd did to Jesus. See, they thought if they could get rid of Jesus, they wouldn't have no more problems. Sometimes we treat Jesus like that as well. We don't want Jesus uh, in our lives. We, oh, we don't have anything against Jesus. But when we come next to Jesus and when we face Jesus, we see His reflection. And when we see our reflection, we see our frailties and we see our sin and we see our dirt and we see that we are depraved individuals and we don't like that. So we think if we can just go ahead and get Jesus out, then we don't have to deal with that anymore. That's exactly, we're living in a nation, exactly what they're thinking. They think if they can get Jesus out of the, uh, of the classroom, they won't have to have no more problems with this religious crowd or this radical crowd or this wacko crowd that thinks that there's a Jesus that can save them. And I'm telling you, that's exactly what happened. And so on that day, it wasn't just uh, the Jews. It wasn't the scribes. It wasn't the false witnesses. Witnesses, it was because of our sin that placed Jesus on trial. Your sin, my sin. And so here we see uh, that not only was it the religious crowd, but look at verse number one. Oh, we see it was the priest. Notice what the priests do. They say they comes in the morning. In verse number one, they, they come in the morning. Now, this is around 3 a.m. or 6 a.m. It's also referred as the fourth watch. 
We've already alluded to it that this, the reason why they came together is because they had an illegal trial. They're trying to get their stories together uh, and, and they're on the same page. And, and notice it says in verse number 2 that they took them to Pilate. They delivered him. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, this kind of caught my attention here. I've read this story many times before. But isn't it interesting? It says that they delivered him to Pilate. See, what they did is they delivered the deliverer who delivered us. And so he sees that he's been delivered. Now, we understand that this is a fulfillment of prophecy. See, Isaiah talked about, oh, it's interesting, is it not, that oh, later on we're going to see how Jesus answers the question that's going to be given to him, that he answered different to Pilate than he did to the Jews, and we're going to show you why. And so here, uh, he now comes to Pilate. Now, Pilate, we understand, uh, he was, um, you know, wishy-washy. And he really didn't have any issues with this. Uh, but he, uh, they now have delivered him. And notice what he does. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered, talking about Jesus, and he answered, and said unto them, Thou sayest. Now that's an interesting answer to a question, is it not? Thou sayest. Now there's three different ways that we can interpret this or exactly what is the meaning of that phrase that Jesus gave. The first one is, it could mean that uh, when Pilate said, Are you the king of the Jews? Uh, that the answer that Jesus gave could have been, You got it. But there's another way to look at this as well. It could be in that, well, you decide that. But then there's another, a third way. And the third way is when Pilate answers, uh, asks the question, and Jesus said, thou sayest, could it mean that Jesus is saying, I am the king, but I'm not the king that you thought I was? Now, interesting. Jesus is king. He, there's, no, there's no question about that. But here, Pilate, oh, the answer, he, he had to think about this. I am the king. See, that's what got Jesus in trouble. Not that he was the king, but that he was a king that they did not want. They were looking for a different kind of king. They were looking for a political king. They were looking for an earthly king. They were looking for a king that was going to come and help them culturally, socially, and make their lives a little bit better, politically speaking. They were looking for a king that was going to go ahead and take them from Roman rule. And that got Jesus in trouble when he says, I'm not that kind of king. I'm a king from a different kingdom. I'm a heavenly king that has an earthly ministry. And they did not want a king like that. You'll say, yeah, yeah, you're right, preacher. 
my dear friend, some of us have done the same thing. Oh, we, we're, we have nothing against Jesus as long as he's getting the things that I want. Oh, I don't have anything about Jesus as long as he doesn't uh, meddle in my affairs. I don't have anything against Jesus as long as he leaves me alone, lets me do what I need to do, and then when I get in trouble, he'll be there when I come calling for him. My dear friend, you need to understand that's not the Jesus that is our king. King Jesus deserves to be king, and if he's going to be your king, you come under his terms, not yours. And that's why many of our churches are in the mess. Some of us want a Jesus that's a hippie Jesus. It's all about love, peace, and all get together and sing kumbaya. Now, you know, I'll do my thing, you do your thing, and we'll all live happily ever after. But that's not the kind of Jesus that we're talking about today. Then, then there's some that looks to him and, and kind of views him as a granddad. You know, he's kind of an older guy. He's, he's sort of like, uh, he, he's got white hair, and when you come to his house, he'll let you do whatever you want to do. Like my grandkids. Elijah comes in, he says, hey, Papa, you got this? Yeah, here you go. Ezra comes in, he says, Papa, Papa, I'll do this. I said, yeah, what do you want? Just, Ezekiel says, Papa, Papa, I want to do this. I said, okay, let's go ahead. Candy, candy. I said, I don't know. We got uh, So I called Rebecca because she's got to drive me to the store. And I said, uh, Rebecca, we got to go to the store. Why we got to go to the store? Got to get some candy. These boys want candy. And many of us view Jesus just like that. I need some candy, Jesus. I, I, need some, I need something to pat me on the back and agree to my lifestyle that is contrary to what the Word of God says, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to ask you to just go ahead and kind of wink and just go ahead and say, it'll be all right. No, 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 this Jesus is not like this. King Jesus, if he's King Jesus, then he rules by his rules, not our rules. And he was oh, a Jesus. Yes, he's love. Yes, he's peace. Yes, he's been gracious to me. Yes, he's given me good and wonderful gifts. But does Jesus that I'm talking about is a Jesus that is holy and he's righteous and he's just and he will not put up with sin. He condones sin and you can't come to him any old time you want to any old time and that's what happens many times does it not we go ahead and live like hell we'll go ahead and do what we need to do and then we get in trouble or we might have a little bit of guilt and the reason why we have the guilt is because we got caught and so because we got caught we come and give repentance it's all lip service we really didn't mean it we're only sorry because we got caught I'm telling you this Jesus that we serve is not a Jesus like that He's holy. He's righteous. And he knows exactly what we need. And he'll give it to it when we need it. And so we see here that Pilate uh, says, okay, I got me a self and a problem here. But notice in verse number three. Got your Bible? Look at verse number three. 
And it says in the chief priest, they accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was falsely accused of something, I ain't just going to sit there and take it. Matter of fact, we'll probably have a nose-to-nose, toe-to-toe confrontation. And I'll go ahead and say, you, you liar. And I'll start going ahead and, and just like you will. Don't you, don't you hate it when somebody falsely accuses you of something? Well, that flesh just wants to rise up, doesn't it? I'll show you. You got your fist ready to go. And you're you said, well, okay, I'll, I'll show that. Jesus said nothing. And because he said nothing, he said volumes. Because you see here in verse number three, he was a fulfillment of the prophecy that Isaiah gave. Isaiah said that the Messiah would not open his mouth. He fulfilled prophecy that day. He fulfilled what has been said back in Isaiah. But notice also the answer uh, that he gave was different than the one earlier. You find it in the Gospel of John. You find it uh, that it was different. Now, why is it different? Because Jesus was not quite as clear with Pilate as he was with the Jews. He was very clear with the Jews when he gave his answer. Now, why, why, why is that? First of all, Jesus gave a different type of answer to the Jews because the Jews had the Old Testament. Some of you are not getting this. Because in their Old Testament, and, and, and the prophet Isaiah... They knew, they heard the words of Isaiah. Matter of fact, not too terribly long ago, went to an Orthodox service there on West End. And uh, they were reading from the Torah. And they were reading from the prophet. They read from the Torah and then they go to the book of, uh, book of the prophets, Isaiah. They read out of Isaiah. See, Jesus gave the Jews a definitive answer because they should have known better. They had the scriptures. And so now they have even more responsibility upon them because they have seen and they have heard. My church, we have a major, huge responsibility. And because the responsibility is because we've heard. We've heard. We've read it in the Scriptures. We've heard from God. We have no excuse and say, well, I don't have no problems with accepting Jesus, but we have a problem with accepting Jesus as He is and who He says He is. He is to be our master. He's to be our Lord. He is to be our boss. 
And we have problems with that from time to time. And we're going to be held more accountable because we have heard the word. We're not ignorant to the word. We just not only have heard it, but we didn't respond. And because of that, we're going to have to face Jesus one day and give an account why we didn't do what he told us to do and to serve the way he told us to serve. And so Pilate hears a Gentile. And so he gives them a different answer. Basically, he put Pilate in a position where he had to make a choice. The modern church today has lost sight of that. The modern church has gotten away from preaching the gospel and letting them know that they have to make a choice. What we're hearing today is they don't have an opportunity to make a choice. You come to their church, they'll tell you how good you are. They'll tell you how everything's going all right. Yeah, you may have a few little character defects, but you know what? You can get over that. And so you feel good about yourself and you've never been confronted with making a choice. Well, I'm telling you, my dear friend, if you're here today, you're sitting in the balcony or on the main floor, we're going to give you an opportunity that you're going to have to make a choice. You're either going to be following Jesus or you're not going to be following Jesus. There's no gray here. There's no, uh, hey, let's straddle the fence and one day I'm here, one day I'm here. Well, here's what Jesus wants from us. He wants total surrender, total commitment, uh, no, uh, no, uh, no, my will being, it's his will being done and we're going to give you an opportunity. You're going to have, today you're going to have to make a choice. Every one of us is going to have to make a choice. Pilate had to make a choice, but he thought I'll go ahead and straddle the fence. Why did Pilate do that? Pilate was more interested in his position than he was his eternal life. And many people today have not made a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ is because they're going to have to make a choice and they're going to have to quit straddling the fence. And many are saying, but if I do that, it may cost me. My dear friend, it will cost you. It will cost you, but the cost is well worth it. What's your choice? Are you going to follow King Jesus today? Or are you going to turn away? And say, well, I'll get back with you on that. And there's no getting back with If you say that, you made a choice. You're not going to follow Jesus. And so here, Pilate, he, uh, he danced around it. Uh, but we see that not only did he dance around it, but uh, we see that it was fulfillment. But as you continue to read, we see where the people... The people now, now you start in verse number 7, you'll see uh, they bring Jesus and uh, there's a man by the name of Barabbas. Barabbas was guilty as charge. He was going to be executed. And so they bring in Jesus uh, to, uh, to be executed, but because of Roman law, uh, they had to let someone go. And so they stand before the people and they say, which one is going to go? Now, some people have said, and here again, if you view this differently, it's not a cause of division, but I just want you to think about this. I have said it myself, that that same crowd a week earlier that singing Hosanna, 
Some of those were in that crowd when Jesus was brought to them. Now the reason why I believe, and it seems like, that not necessarily so. They were there because of Barabbas. How do we know that? Barabbas was a revolutionary. Barabbas was charged with murder, and also he was looking to overthrow the Roman government. Barabbas was sort of a folk hero amongst the people. The people that were tired of being suppressed and oppressed by the Roman government. The Roman government was very cruel uh, to the Jews, and they didn't like that, but uh, Barabbas was the one that was outspoken. So Barabbas was, uh, even though they were not vocal about it because they were fearful that they would uh, be uh, killed as well, uh, but they came, they came to more or less pay their respects to Barabbas. They word gotten out, Barabbas was going to be executed. So it would seem to me, it would seem to me that this crowd was a, was a different crowd, majority speaking, than the crowd that was singing Hosanna a week earlier. This crowd was there for Barabbas. So now, as they're there, they come and he says, okay, which one do you want to go free? Barabbas or Jesus? And that's when they started to say, Barabbas. And then that's when they said to Jesus, crucify him. Crucify him. Why? Because we want Barabbas to live because Barabbas is our hero. Matter of fact, it's interesting, the word Barabbas, uh, the name uh, means uh, Jesus Barabbas. Jesus, Bar- Jesus was a, a common name. It's, in the Hebrew, it's Joshua. It was not uncommon to have people named Jesus. And so here, uh, watch this. And so this Barabbas was Jesus Barabbas, which means son of the fathers. Jesus is Son of God. Okay? So you have two choices here. They chose Barabbas, not necessarily because they were upset with Jesus. It's just because they thought by letting Barabbas go, they had a better shot at getting what they were hoping was going to take place, and that's the throw of the Roman government. We see that happening today. There are a lot of people that are neutral about Jesus. They don't have no issue with Jesus. Jesus don't bother them. I don't follow them. But if you want to follow them, hey, to each his own. That's what the crowd here was. Didn't have nothing against Jesus. But my dear friend, they might not had anything against Jesus, but they were against Jesus. Because here, as we've already said, it's an either or. You can't have it in the middle. You're here today and you say, you know what, I don't have nothing against Jesus. You must have something against Jesus because you haven't given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus. That tells me, and you can go ahead and you can sugarcoat it all you want to, but when you say that I don't have nothing against Jesus, but you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you haven't trusted Him, 
you haven't called upon his wonderful sweet name, that's just as good as saying I'm against him. We have too many that are trying to be politically correct. And I'm not talking about the way government... I'm talking about politically correct is where everybody's okay, just whatever you want to do, just as long as you don't mess with me. And that's why people get upset because you're forcing them to make a decision. They don't have any problem. I, I, I've, I've, I've talked to some Muslims. They don't have no problem with Jesus. Just as long as you don't say he's God, then they got a problem with you. They have no problem saying that Jesus was a great prophet. I, I, I've gone and, and I've talked to other religions and they say, well, Jesus, oh yeah, we don't have no problem with Jesus. Yeah, he was good. He had some, uh, he had some good sayings, had some good teachings. And then when you say, but do you realize that Jesus is God in the flesh? Oh, that's where they'll want to fight you. And then that's the ones that will say, and, and we'll jump up and down, and we'll say things like, I'm Muslims like that, and I'm not going to go to that store down there on the corner because they're Muslims. I'm just not going to go over there. And then and, and we'll go we'll say, well, I'm going to go, I found out that he's a Mormon, so I ain't going to do business with him no more. And we'll jump up and down, jump up and down, jump up and down because they're, 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 they're no doubt about it. They're not followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but here's the problem that we have is, if we're saying that we're followers of Christ, but yet we're not doing what followers do, then you have a problem with Jesus. And we're ripping, raving, and jump up and down and, and do all kinds of, you know, them dirty Muslims. I can't believe that. But here's what's happened. I'm tell, I know, I understand. Maybe I'm going to meddling. But, but here's what. We're in the South. You know, we're, we're in the Bible Belt. And, and you know, we, many of us, we grew up, and I heard people say, I grew up in church. And, and then we have nothing against. We got a church on every corner and, and all that. And we were exposed by the gospel. We really don't have any problems with that. And we'll even even sing, we'll even sing country songs. We'll talk about drinking beer and chasing women, and then we'll say, Well, God's blessed me. Yeah, you know, is that, a, is that not amazing to you? Now, I'm not here to down country music. I'm not saying that, but it just seems odd to me. But, you know, country music is, uh, is uh, music that has a story. And that pretty much tells the story about many people. They'll go and drink their beer. They'll go chase their women, do all kinds of things, and then they'll turn around and be in church on Sunday morning and singing uh, Victory in Jesus. But we don't talk about that. You have a choice to make. And your choice is you're either going to be a follower of Jesus or you're not going to be a follower of Jesus. Your walk has to match your talk. We've just come off some wonderful, wonderful days. And we saw people come to the altar. And God was strong and we just felt His presence. But here's what I'm fearful of. That we're going to stay back in the past and miss what God has for us today. And there's someone here today that needs to make a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to get saved. 
And you can go ahead and you can come and you can join in and all that. But I'm telling you, and we heard it many times over these last few days, that does not make you a believer. You're only a believer when you've come to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord. You repent of your sin. You confess your sins. And when you're making a commitment, you need to understand. I even had someone uh, tell me uh, not too terribly long ago that when the, when they uh, came down that no one talked to them. They, they came down. They said, why don't you come down? I I came down to get saved. And they said, okay. They dropped to the knees, prayed a prayer, and then they went on. And then they lived their life, uh, most of their adult life, kind of confused and really not knowing. And they didn't understand what real salvation meant. Listen, salvation is not just saying a prayer. Salvation is that you have totally committed your whole life and everything about you to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You are committed to following Him. You will follow Him and you will help Him to understand that whatever He tells you to do, you're going to do. Wherever He says to go, you'll go. That's being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a total surrender commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So the question for you, Pilate was asked the question, with Jesus was here, and Jesus says, who do you say I am? That's your question. Who do you say Jesus is to you? What does Jesus mean to you? Have you totally surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you not looked at the cost? Have you not worried about your position? Have you not worried about uh, your, your ego? Have you not worried about your reputation? You came to realize, and said, well, well, these people think. I've been in this church for years and years. I've been doing business and people have come in and I've been treating them right and I've been telling them I go to the church and they, they think I'm upstanding and, 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 I, and I'm a, a pillar in this community. Uh, they're at work. They hear me talk about Jesus. They hear me about talking to church but that I've never totally surrendered myself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Why would them people think if I told them I got saved? They say, well, I thought you were already saved. Oh, what would they think? Listen, it doesn't matter what they think. You're not going to stand before them. I'm not going to stand before you. You're not going to stand before me. We're going to stand before King Jesus, and he's going to look at us and say, what have you done with me? Who do you say I am? Balcony, who do you say Jesus is this morning? Is he your master of your life? Is he king of your life? Is he the ruler of your life? Is he your savior? Have you totally surrendered and committed to the lordship of Jesus Christ? If not, you need to get saved today.